Welcome to the CSU Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Golden, Executive Director of Alumni and Development here at Clark Summit University. Thanks for sitting in on our conversation today. I'm joined by Dr. Jim Lytle, our CSU President, and a very special guest, Dr. Charles Ware. Dr. Ware grew up in upstate New York and, and came to Clark Summit as a student and graduated in 1972. Since that time, he's, he's pastored and also served as the college president of the Crossroads Bible College in Indianapolis, Indiana. Most recently, he is the executive director of Grace Relations at the College of Biblical Studies. It's a real joy to have Dr. Ware come and kind of tell us his story about his time here at CSU and also talk to us briefly about biblically-based race relations. Certainly a timely topic for today. Thanks again for listening and welcome Dr. Charles Ware. Well, Charles, you graduated from Baptist Bible College uh, back in what some folks who are unenlightened would consider the dark ages. Uh, and I might see the same thing, except I was there too. So, uh, so you, uh, you, well, what year did you come to BBC? 1968. So that was that Johnson City or was that Clark Summit? No, it was the first year in, in Clark Summit. Okay. Were, were you the school's first student of color ever? No, uh, they, when I got there, there was a, a young lady, I forget her name, but she was a year ahead, well, more than a year. She was there for a complete year, then she left, and I was the only African-American there at the time, but we had, I think, three or four Jamaicans. So you, you got through the school, and then you started to follow God in ministries. Where, where has God taken you? Okay, well, I, let me... But one correction, I started to follow God in ministry while I was in school. There was a group of students from, from then Baptist Bible College who was going down in the inner city of Scranton, witnessing the people and seeing some people get saved and they wanted to start a church. And I got involved in that Scranton Revival Baptist Church. I think it was founded around 71, uh, somewhere near 70 or 71. So, so I got involved there. Where God has taken me from there, from that church, went to the Washington, D.C. area on the Maryland side, took a church there, and then that church started a school, a Christian school. Um, uh, and, and then from there, I went out to where I am today in Indianapolis. I came out here for the, um, at that particular time, Baptist Bible College of Indianapolis, which is Crossroads Bible College, which now is College of Biblical Studies. That sounds pretty full. And uh, <laughs> uh, your children, what age are they? Yeah, we have six children from the 40s down to the 20s, um, two adopted, four biological, and, and many people know about one adopted son, uh, Matt, who broke his neck in 1998, in a basketball accident. He's a quadriplegic to this day, but God really provided for our family through prayer and financial support, and, um, and Matt's doing well today. He's married now and has a daughter. Well, it's, I think all three of us have adopted children then, Paul, right? That's right. Yep. A unique, unique special blessing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> kind of cool. Dr. Ware, I, a few years ago, I was on a mission trip in all places in Dominican Republic. I'm getting on the bus with a guy, and we start talking, where are you from? And come to find out, he's like, hey, do you know a guy named Charlie Ware? I'm like, I sure do. He went to our college. He's like, why? You know what I'm talking about, Reg, Reg Cook, right? Yes, yes. 
Can you tell us a story about how you came to faith? Yeah, Reds and uh, Fred Lepore came. You know, I got saved in 1968. That was the year Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Robert Kennedy was assassinated. And with all that racial turmoil, actually, I was in a school in Williamson, New York. That was probably 90-something percent what we call white. And uh, I had served on the student council as a freshman, president of my class as a sophomore, vice president of student council as a junior, president of student council as a senior, played three varsity sports, lettered in three varsity sports, but still was empty. There was something missing. And, and God was breaking my heart. And, and one of the people I was playing sports with was Reg Cook. I think he was a grade behind me, I think. But anyway, we played ball together, and I guess Fred Napora came into town and, and got the youth in the church and was telling them, we need to go out and witness. We need to tell people the gospel. And, and Reg suggested, well, why don't we go visit Charlie Ware? And they came to my house on Monday night. God had prepared my heart because back in seventh grade, I heard the gospel and I rejected it. It was in Sunday school class, and the, uh, the, the teacher of the class happened to have been Reg Cook's father, Bernard Cook. And he was saying from First John uh, that you can know that you're saved. You can know that you're going to heaven. And I listened to that. I'm like, ah, nobody can know they're going to heaven until they die. And God's going to judge you good against you bad. And if you bad out where you're good, you're going to hell. If you're good out where you're bad, you're going to heaven. And I actually changed my life. Some things that I felt was sin that I didn't really care that much about, I stopped doing them so that I could make it better chance of getting into heaven. I thought God was going to have to judge on a curve because I didn't know any totally righteous people, even the kids in my Sunday school class. I thought, well, you know, if you're in school and everybody flunk a test, the teacher got to throw a curve. And, you know, you may have got 55, but not the highest grade. They bumped that up to 95. If you got 10, you flunked. So I purposely changed my life uh, back then. But by the time I got to be a senior, I thought, well, being good isn't that much fun. So I broke my own curve. And when Reg and Fred came to my house on a Monday night and they asked, have I ever heard, you know, uh, the gospel, you know, you can be saved. And I said, yeah, I heard that. <clears throat> they said, well, do you believe it? I said, nope, <laughs> I don't believe it. They said, well, if we showed you from the Bible, would you believe that? And I thought, you showed me from the Bible? Yeah. So they came in my house on a Monday night, took me through the Romans road, and I had no argument that all of sin and come show the glory of God. I, by that time, I'd blown my own curve. So I understood that. But then they hit me with, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, we could be saved. There in my home, in my living room, on Monday night, March of 1968, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and I've never been the same since. So why did you decide then to come to a school that would train pastors? Got to be a story in there. That's a good question. Because, it, all right, 68, you know, racial unrest across the country, affirmative actions in, in full play. A number of my teachers in, in high school, they were behind me getting into a college. 
and, you know, going and being trained as an African-American to take leadership. And it made a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'd be the first one in my family to go to college. And uh, Dr. Wendell Kempton said that God burdened him about me. He came preaching at church, and, and I guess they told him about me. And, and he, he drove from then Baptist Bible College about three hours to New York, came to my high school, asked him to meet me. The principal let me out early. I went out in his car and he talked to me and said, oh, I hear you, you know, you're saved, you love the Lord. Yes, sir. And he asked me, he said, well, what, you decide where are you going to school? And that time I decided to go to Circle University, study oceanography. My best friend, who happened to be white, as we call it, unsaved, and I wanted to see him saved. And we were going to go in a room together. So I just told Dr. Kempton, that's where I'm going. My way was paid and all that. And he said, well, you ever, have you ever thought about you know, Bible college, not really. And he said, well, would, would you pray about it? No, no. He said, do you know for sure that that's where God wants you to go? And I'm like, well, I can't say I know for sure, but my way's paid. I know that. I'm going. He said, well, do you think God can let you know for sure? And I'm like, oh, he's God. He can do anything he wants. He said, well, would you pray with me for a week to God uh, uh, let you know for sure. And I said, sure. So he left. And I remember my friend came uh, and talking to me, Norm, and he says, so what's happening now? Are you, where are you going to go? And I said, oh, man, that guy's a poor salesman. He ain't get anything. I'm, go I'm, go I'm going to, to the second school. You and I are going to be together. But I kept my word. I prayed. And after a week, God convinced me beyond a shadow of doubt that he wanted me to go to Baptist Bible Seminary, uh, Baptist Bible College at the time. Now, with that, to be honest, I actually prayed to God, and I said to God, the Ku Klux, the Ku Klux Klan is probably in those hills in Pennsylvania. Are you sure you want me to go? You know, and I, I, I feel like he made it so he was sure he wanted me to go, so I'm like, okay, I'm going. That's where you want me to go, and so rejected the scholarships. And by the way, Baptist Bible College at that time didn't know what a scholarship was. <laughs> And that, what, that is the truth. What was your experience then being <laughs> one of the first African-American students at uh, BBC? That's a good question, Paul. And it was, it was good and challenging. You know, I got down there. There was nobody who knew how to cut black hair. Most of the food I liked, it didn't serve in the cafeteria. Uh, I was, I was, the, I was the, the bright spot. On the, on the campus, in fact, I said, I was the reason they got color photo, photos because I usually show up as a black spot. But, you know, I met some real good friends, and here's, here's some of the positives. I was taught how to interpret the Word of God and how to use the Word of God to guide my life and transform me. God did some transformative things in my life. Some of the challenges were I was meeting some so-called white kids for the first time who saw a black person up close. And I had one black fella, a white fella. I remember I came from a soccer practice going back to my dorm. And he stopped me. He looked me right in my eyes and said, is that the way an N sweats? Call me the N-word. And I'm like, what? I'm going to show you how an N fights. But Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, now you're going back and do what you need to do. So I had some experiences like that. And then the most difficult thing was when Sharon and I got married. Sharon was a junior when I was a senior, and we got involved. Really, we got involved, one, because of the preaching of um, the president. 
uh, at that time saying that we should be out preaching. So I was challenged by that, and I wanted to be out preaching. And some students who went down in the city to start a church. Actually, they were just witnessing and stuff like that. Then I think, uh, I think it was Brother Will Height said to me, he got me involved in the first place, and then he said, would you consider being a pastor? So I got involved pastoring that church. And then when it looked like Sharon and I might be talking about getting together, she was out here in Indiana doing a uh, student teaching, and she was contacted and told if we got married, she was going to have to come back from student teaching and drop out of college. Well, well, we decided, well, maybe we just need to date in the spirit, so to speak. I prayed for her. She prayed for me, waited for her to graduate. Well, when she graduated and we were, we were marriage was pending, um, the students, which they're all white, that were members of the church and the college, were brought into a meeting and told if Sharon and I got married, they were going to have to choose between the college or the church. And uh, John Hilbert at the time, he was a student, he was, he, was my, uh, he was my deacon in the church, and so he had the meeting and everything. So he came back to me later and he said, all right, we met, and we are unanimous that God ordained the local church, didn't ordain the college, we're not moving. So the administration, you know, they said, well, okay, well, people who are members can stay there, but no new students can go. And um, and so after that, I applied to seminary twice and was rejected. The third time under Dr. Milheim, I was accepted. And and all of that drove me to really seek the face of God. I, I remember being broken once, a crisis of faith. And I just said to God, I can go to a church that's all black churches, they call it. And we can talk about white people, how we can't trust them and how they want to take over, so on and so forth. And I just keep my mouth shut I get along there. Or I can go to an all-white church and we can talk about how black folks want to hand out and they're lazy and they're criminals, so on and so forth. I keep bowed shut there. And then God challenged me uh, with a new revelation. Why don't you just try following Jesus? Yeah, that's kind of novel. And But that's what I've been trying to do with all my imperfections. And, uh, and, and to do that, I have to be honest and I can't fall into a category saying all white people this, all black people that, except that we're all sinners. And uh, we're growing and we're learning. And I would like to say this, too, that I forgot the year right now, but, but um, uh, Baptist Bible College uh, awarded me an honorary doctorate, and I was alumnus of the year. And in my mind, I can recant these things. I can recall these things, rather, like I would look at history in the Old Testament. Nobody's perfect. We make our mistakes. But by the grace of God, we still can come together and create a different, uh, different history than what we, what we inherited. So I'm thankful for BBC, now Summit University, for the impact that God, the positive impact that God has made in my life, even shaping the ministry that I have now because of my experiences there. Well, what, what do you think of these last few months? Where is that going to send all of us? And any idea, I don't realize you're not a prophet, but uh, any ideas based on what you're seeing uh, and where, where we might end up if we come, if we come through this well, if we choose to? Well, you know, the ministry I'm involved in now called Grace Relations rather than Race Relations. I tell people the grace of God is strong enough to handle the sins of the past, the dysfunctions of the present, 
and help us to write a better tomorrow. I am deeply concerned with the deepening division and polarization that I see in the world, and I see the church fracturing along those same lines. And I am concerned that somehow, by the grace of God, we need to come through this racial unrest and this political polarization. Somehow, some of the people of God need to come out of this more united than when we went in. And that's going to be tough. But by the grace of God, this is what I'm, this is what I'm looking for. God is really concerned about advancing his kingdom. We as Christians need to be listening more to the word than we are to the news. Because in the word of God, we can kind of figure out where God is going. And one of the things that hit me in the word is that God always wants his people to be holy. It, when you go back to the Old Testament, he brought judgment upon Israel time and time again because they forsook him forsook holy, righteous living. And when they did that, nothing could spare them. He brought chastisement, his wrath upon them. When they repented, it didn't matter who was against them. He decided to bring them back, bless them. And I think as Christians, we need to have a, put a keen ear listening to God because First Timothy 2 tells me to pray for those in authority. The reason, number one, is that we might live Godly lives in peace. And I think as Americans, we got to ask ourselves the question, so why do we want peace? Why do we want prosperity? Is it for selfish, ungodly living? God's not into that. God's into us living godly lives to demonstrate to a dying world that he's our savior. And then on top of that, he doesn't want any to perish. He wants the gospel preached to all people. And I think the church is losing her focus on godly living and preaching the gospel. And we want God's power to provide for us and protect us and prosper us for purposes to the contrary to the very heart, mind, and will of God. So, brother, I'm hoping that we can come out of this more godly, more unifying. That's one of the reasons I appreciate what Summit is doing. You're training men and women to handle the word of God, not just understanding and speak it, but live it and demonstrate it at this critical time in history. That's good insight. What, what, what resources have you put out there or found out there that uh, we would be able to, to recommend to folks? You, you ought to watch this. You ought to read this. You ought to get to know so-and-so. But what is there that might help? Well, you know, I wrote a book with Ken Ham from the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter called One Race, One Blood. Some people look at that book and they just say, well, you're just trying to blame evolution on everything. No, we, what, we, what we're arguing in that book is Christians need a biblical worldview on the race issue. Evolution is one thing that leads towards white supremacy, and that's documented through history. There's no yeah. Shouldn't done take us a PhD to figure that one out. But also, we demonstrated that, that the church itself has misinterpreted texts of scripture, misapplied those texts, and had directed the church in the wrong direction. My heart is that I don't want, especially young people, to get the idea that we reject Christianity, we reject the Bible because of these things, but go back into the Bible get a proper interpretation of the text, a proper application of the text, and then let's redirect the church. So books that kind of give, 
And, and, and it doesn't help for, for pastors or leaders to say, well, I ain't talking about race. I'll just leave it alone. Well, if you don't, the, the people who are educating your children in our society are unsaved people because they will talk about it. And, and so you need that. I like John Perkins' book had a tremendous effect upon me when I was in college, as I mentioned, struggling with what, where I go. His book, Let Justice Roll Down. I, I saw what he went through. And I said to myself, if this man could go through all of this and come out talking about loving God and loving his neighbor, I haven't went through anything. And so I, I appreciate a, a, a book like that. My pastor here in, in Indianapolis, Pastor Volker, just wrote a book called Weep With Me. And it's kind of his journey in leading our church along this journey of um, biblical uh, reconciliation. Another book is um, High Definition Leaders by Derwin Gray, was an Indianapolis coach player, got saved, and and now has a PhD in, in uh, New Testament studies. And he's written a book kind of based on Ephesians, peppered with what's going on in his church as he's committed to a multicultural church in all aspects. I like Tony Evans' oneness embrace. Uh, I like Tony Evans on about everything. You know, he got a series <laughs> of sermons on this too. But he, the reason I like him is he's, he's in the scriptures. You know, I, I, I can disagree with him, but at least I know he's coming from the scriptures and trying to push me into the scriptures. And, and I'm, I'm so, um, I'm just excited about that. But those are a few. we got more, but um, they get some people kind of hopefully on route towards loving God and loving their neighbor. It's interesting. In 68, all the social unrest and the assassinations, a lot of similarities to 2020 with the pandemic and racial divides. And I, I'm opt- I guess I'm optimistic to think, hey, the church can step forward and witness the Reg Cook coming to Charlie Ware's house. We can be doing that now and raising up the next generation of you know, Dr. Charles Ware's and others. So I, I look at this as a unprecedented time, but also great opportunities for the church to step forward. No, I think that's a very important point because one of the things I find as I speak is that, especially with those of the majority, you know, call them white, people are literally paralyzed. What can I do? I can't do anything. They, if, if I say something, they're going to think I'm a racist. If I don't say something, they're going to think it. And I'm trying to say paralyzation is from the devil. Yes, people came to me and presented the gospel, and I got saved. You don't know what's going to happen. Keep a humble heart, but seek to be obedient to God. If you say something wrong, be willing to admit you're wrong. That's part of humility. But don't let the devil deceive you into paralyzation that you can do nothing. God always has a remnant. I was reflecting on what you said there, You know, knowing our, our undergraduate students at the school. They're very concerned. They, they want to love others the way God loves others. But if we aren't willing to open an issue with them, well, then they'll get advice from whatever's out there. And uh, if the advice yes. is not biblically yes. based, they'll take that advice because it's all they got. Oh, I think you're mm-hmm. on target. We'll, we'll be glad to recommend these books also as part of this when we move forward with it. Yeah, let me say this from what you just said. Because of my concern about this and Ken Davis and I, you know, he's been with you seminary for years yep. there. 
Ken Davis and I created a course called Culture, Race, and the Church, simply because we wanted to be able to guide the students through this discussion rather than letting them get, you know, their interaction from the world, like you said. And, and um, it, it, so some parting words is simply this. All so-called black people are not going to heaven. All so-called white people are not going to heaven. Heaven will be multi-ethnic. And if we really love people, and their lives really matter. Our hearts should be broken for the loss. And we should figure out a way together across ethnic and generational boundaries to unite to carry that gospel that can guarantee us an eternity together. And, and that's what you're seeking to do there, raise up men and women who, who are committed to that gospel and living it out. And that gets an amen from me. Well, thank you so much for uh, your investment in our school over the years. And, uh, many times you've spoken in chapel and helped our students along the way. I sure appreciate that. And, and you've been a, a cheerleader and an encourager for me all along the road of being a college president. And I sure appreciate that. We'll, we'll say goodbye to you now. And thank you for your ministry to us. Over the years, it's been my privilege and blessing to uh, cross paths with Dr. Ware at various events and conferences. And I've always enjoyed uh, my interactions one-on-one with him, but I've especially enjoyed it when he speaks. And I just so love his biblical perspective on things and so graceful and godly and just really value Dr. Ware and all that he stands for. If you'd like to get more information on his ministry, you can go to his website, gracerelations.net gracerelations.net. Also, if you'd like to shoot him an email and thank him or follow up or invite him to speak, you can do so at gracenotrace at gmail.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-N-O-T-R-A-C-E at gmail.com. Thanks again, Dr. Ware, for joining us for the special and important conversation. I look forward to more conversations with alumni and friends of CSU. Thanks again for joining us.